This podcast, like all of our podcasts on Couchcast Collective, is brought to you by the Oatmeal Wallet, available exclusively at tacticaloatmeal.com. Go to tacticaloatmeal.com, buy a bunch of sweet tactical stuff, use the code COUCHCAST at checkout, and save yourself 10%. If you don't buy an oatmeal wallet, I can only assume that you hate your money. Isn't that right, Ryan? If you hate your money, then please don't buy an oatmeal wallet. Cause you're probably worth it anyway. So this podcast was originally recorded like a year ago more than a year ago probably anyway this is kind of the birth of the Jobcast. you can kind of tell at the beginning of this podcast that we're coming up with the idea to even do this uh as mark is just kind of sharing some life stories with me because i hadn't seen him in a while i had this new podcast equipment and he came over to basically test it out and we were going to record something about cars or something but he ended up going into a ridiculous story which kind of gave me the whole idea for Jobcast to begin with. So what better way than to start with this one? Um, So yeah, here it is. Here's a song from Ryan Harris introducing uh, Mark Scott, the EMT intern. should have kept that going that was actually really fun (laughs) (laughs) that's a fucking subaru i know holy shit i got good at that sound that's like spot on (laughs) that's really weird I used to be able to do it with the turbo too. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, I do a lot. I have a lot of free time. Whoa, I'm kind of blown away by that. <laughs> I can't do it when I laugh. I'm going to have to call you on that when we actually start recording, which, by the way, I started recording at Phil Robertson. That's all good, man. I figured as much. <laughs> but um, yeah, we're going to have to probably trash this just so we have space. get too much blowing in it 
I wish I could deflect my, the wind, but still get the noise. No, that's pretty good. Yeah. Mazel tov. Mm-hmm. Biatch. <laughs> and a hearty mazel tov to you, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Good news in the hood. You and Mrs. Scott. I'll drink to that. Um, she is the apple of my eye, and she holds the fruit of my loins. Wow. <laughs> she, she actually does. Yeah. Hold the fruit of your loins. <laughs> does she cup them when she holds them? On occasion. <laughs> it's usually like a pat or a slap. Oh, Sometimes no. a flick. Ah! <laughs> Speaking of which, what? I have a terrible story from the ER. Let's hear the terrible story. Let's go. It involves cock rings. Oh, no. Yes. The time was 6.45 a.m. and I roll into the emergency room. My third to last clinical rotation. All the rooms are empty but one. And it was, uh, the guy had been there since probably about two in the morning. So he probably had been there about four and a half hours already by the time I got there. And uh, he had come in because uh, the previous night he put on this cock ring which was about the size of a bracelet oh my yeah and he somehow he fed his balls through it to where it was back behind his scrotum and uh he injected i forget what they call it but it's this medication it's, it's a, kind of the same class as viagra and uh he injected something like viagra it directly into his penis yeah and uh, oh Okay, so well, I keep going. No, it's okay because that's, I mean, that's how it works. You, you inject it, you do your thing, you know, you move on. No, well, he that, injected that's not it. not how it works ever. <laughs> I'll make you an old nonchalant. Hey, I do it all the time. You know what I mean? Um, you, you get a belt, you tie it around your dick, right. and then you shoot up. Once that's you how find they do a it good on vein. The, that's how they do it on the streets. Um, yeah, so he, he injected it, he did his business, and but he decided, I guess it would be a good time to take a nap. Which is not what you're supposed to do because the medication made him super, super hard. Well, the cock ring prohibits blood flow exiting your penis because it cuts off the venous circulation. So you still have arterial flow into the penis, but the venous flow of the blood returning to the heart, you know, and all that stuff is cut off because of the pressure applied by this cock ring. Well, the blood keeps getting pumped in and in and in and in. And, it, and at some point it gets too big to where it won't go out anymore. So it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, he went to sleep. He slept for like four hours. Then he woke up. The erection was still there. So you know how the, the ads say, you know, if you have an erection lasting longer than four hours, you need to seek oh. medical attention. Well, he thought it would be a good idea to come into the emergency room at that time. Well, he had gotten this stainless steel cock ring. It's probably weighed a good 10 ounces. I mean, this thing was a heavy SOB from a, a stripper had given it to him. So oh. I guess that tells you a lot about his personality if he's getting gifts from strippers. Um, no offense to strippers, of course. No, wonderful people. Um, well, he he had to have it cut off. Not his penis. Oh. The cock ring. <laughs> more, more about what happens to his penis later. Well, the entire emergency department goes through every single ring cutter blade they have, and they dull all of them before they even get halfway through it. So someone had to go run to Home Depot oh, to pick up Dremel wheels to no. cut this freaking thing off. They finally get it off, 
and um, his erections still won't go away oh because he's goodness. cut off the vein of circulation for that long. Oh. Well, they start drawing blood from it. They draw 1.1 liters of blood from his penis. 1.1 liters. Oh. Just in your head, picture a one liter bottle of soda I'm or a one liter it. bottle of water. That much blood from his penis alone. Does, so, does this dude have like a giant dick? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, he, it was so swollen too because of all the blood going in, none of it going out. His testicles were the size of your fist. Oh my goodness. Just hanging out, like doing their thing. Well, they draw over a liter of blood out and it's still not going down. So they end up having to um, perform a surgical procedure where they essentially butterfly cut both sides of his penis open. Oh, were you there for that? Or did you just hear about it later? They wouldn't let us in the room because he was HIV positive. Dong, dong. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Fun stories. Holy cow. But yeah. Okay, so real quick, since we're recording, <laughs> um, without naming whom you work for or where you worked or anybody like that, obviously you're not going to mention that. Just explain what it is that you do so that people understand. Basically, right now, this is the uh, pilot episode, hello everyone, for JobCast. Uh, so go ahead and just explain to everybody what it is you do. Um, I am a student, and I study paramedicine uh, in hopes of being a paramedic. Hopefully, that's going to be at the end of uh, June here, coming up soon. So I was in the tail end of my clinical rotations out at an emergency department. Okay. So an ER of a hospital. Wow. And so this was when you were doing a clinical, yeah. like this was your first or your second clinical? This was the sixth, my sixth rotation. Okay. So this wasn't your icebreaker? No, 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 no. This, I mean, in a sense, yeah, it was. Like, that was, that was an interesting day for sure. Yeah, so if you, if you had to say what your icebreaker was, what, what would you say it was? Like your first clinical, what, do you, what really kind of made you go, okay, this is what I'm doing now? That's a great question. I would have to say um, previously when I was doing my EMT stuff, mm-hmm. um, responding to a car accident when I was doing my rotation, my rideouts with the fire department, uh, responding to a motor vehicle accident where people weren't wearing their seatbelts. That was pretty legit. I mean, that was an interesting thing to respond to. Thankfully, I mean, uh, the ambulance that I was riding in at the time happened to be out, not at the station, about a block and a half away when the call came in. So we rolled down the hill, um, and uh, it was a minivan that had ran a red light and gotten T-boned, kind of. It was kind of a front fender hit by a, a big old like Dodge Ram with a trailer full of who knows what, because it was a closed trailer. could have been a car in there. It was a big trailer. And uh, he sent this van like flying off the road, and the people in the van weren't wearing their seatbelts, and they both smacked their heads on the front window, which broke the front window. You know, they had the spidering on the window from where their heads made impact. It was crazy, though, because, uh, you know, when we responded, we got there, like, not even a minute or two after the accident actually happened. And uh, we we roll up, and the, the minivan's off the road, in the ditch, 
and uh, you know, we had to cut the uh, had to cut the airbags away so we could actually gain access to the vehicle. We had to cut the front passenger side door off to get into it to get to the patients that were in there. And um, from the time it took us to get them out of the vehicle and to the hospital, by the time we rolled up to the hospital after you know starting IVs on them and you know trying to get an assessment, you know, because they probably have head injuries, so trying to see how their mental status is. By the time we got them to the hospital, they had gone from a state of you know openly talking to us, answering questions, to not being able to respond to much. I mean, their eyes are open, they're looking at us, but they can't comprehend what we're saying. I, I guess that was had had to do with their their brain swelling from yeah. the impact. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to see that. I think the most difficult thing is when uh, you drop patients off at the emergency department, you know, on an ambulance, you don't really get to to hear about how how did what was the outcome, you know? So that's that's something that's kind of eye-opening. You don't really think about much. Wow. <clears throat> Man, that's yeah, that's a hell of an icebreaker. But dude, you're the exact type of guy that well, me personally, I'm obviously biased because I've known you forever and you're my very close friend. True that. But you're the exact type of guy that anybody would want out there doing it. And you're the exact type of guy that can definitely handle it, I know. And you're going to do the, you always do the best job at everything you do. So thank you. I'm, don't thank you for choosing such a noble profession, man. But what was, I mean, that was kind of a bummer experience but what was your first experience i know you've only been through a few clinicals so far but what was your first experience that was like really uh rewarding i guess because i remember not to not to feed it right to you too much but this is like if i mean i don't know because i i haven't you've been so busy with clinicals and everything i've been able to talk to you too much but i did see your facebook post where you were able to save someone's life at your regular job that's right which Thank i you. won't say where your regular job is but it is a retailer yeah. um and you had some customer come in right yeah that's right that was that was a big I man i was glad i was there that night so the customer who wasn't a customer at the time mm -hmm was out driving around. She was having a heart attack. So she pulls she pulls in to get some aspirin or whatever. And uh she walks back to the aisle and she can't find it, you know, as we see later in the security camera footage. She's just kind of wandering around stumbling around. She looked like she was drunk. Mm -hmm. And uh then she just fell backwards and down she went. Um about, you know, 30 seconds later, ironically enough, it wasn't very much time. Um, I happened to walk around the corner onto that aisle and this customer is laying there on the floor. It kind of looks like she was slouched over trying to reach something underneath the shelf. So you've seen weirder things there. I'm oh sure. my God. Yes, I have. <laughs> um, we yeah, can talk some, about that yeah, later if you God. want to. For um, yeah. So of course I'm, I'm curious. So I go up there, I pat her on the back. I'm like, are you okay? You need help finding something? And she doesn't respond. So I, I kind of look to where I can see her face. Cause she's not really moving and her face is all cyanotic. So she's all blue mm -hmm. from, you know, lack of breathing, lack of adequate ventilation. And so at, th at that point, you know, I run back to the pharmacy, which is right there mm -hmm. and, um, tell the pharmacist to call 911. You know, there's a, a customer 
on uh, the floor who is not breathing. So she gets on the phone because I don't want to yell it because then I'd have every customer in the store, you know, rubbernecking like, oh, what's going on? Oh, yeah. I'm going to put this on my Instagram. Um, so I go back to the patient who at that point becomes my patient. And I kind of, you know, lay her out flat. She's not breathing and no pulse, completely blue. I mean, not moving, nothing. So she's completely unresponsive. And so, uh, you know, I realized at the point it's, that's the time I need to start doing CPR. So I start doing chest compressions, you know, the first four compressions, I can feel ribs breaking, which means that you're doing a good job because you you need to press at least two inches, Wow, at least two inches of compression, you know, a hundred times a minute or more. Um, they say hard, fast and strong. So I'm doing compressions and. CPR is good and all that stuff. And finally, what's, what seems like hours later, the, the fire department shows up and, and they pick up the patient and then transport her. I mean, it was just a, it was a crazy situation. I just happened to be there for it and I was thankful for it because I, I was able to make an impact on this person's life. And uh, it felt good, you know? No, oh, that's awesome, man. Felt good to be able to actually help people more so than I do on a normal basis, of course. Oh, yeah, definitely. But actually directly affecting someone's ability to live is what's really cool. It's extremely awesome. Yeah. So, I hope I'm not being too rude here, but I know you pretty well. <laughs> so what took you from that kid who was shooting arrows into the wall of his mother's house and smashing TVs with sledgehammers and shooting The TV was not working. First of all, the TV was non-functioning. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm not walking around in <laughs> living rooms beating up 60-inch TVs or anything like that. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, so what, t- what took you from this very um, rambunctious kid that I met to being this uh, really chilled out, uh, I don't know, caring, trustworthy individual that you are? I mean, I've seen it happen. So maybe I should be pointing it out. I don't even know where it was. I can't picture. I can't put my finger on exactly what it was. It, it just happened. Just one day I just became awesome. Wasn't yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was always awesome, but you I were think. always awesome. That's why I hung <laughs> out with you. That's right. Yeah. No, I, no, I bet not everyone you know used to hit TVs with sledgehammers and but shoot arrows I, and walls. Had I had to predict moments after you smashing a um, tree branch on my face? I remember that. <laughs> That you would one day become a paramedic. That wouldn't have been my prediction. Yeah. It would have been a handy job to have at that time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Oh, and also tossing a quarter yep. at Robert's face. He was on the bike. off of his moving bicycle. That was skill. That was all skill. <laughs> I got something for you. Okay. Oh no, the key wallet. Oh yeah, dude. The key wallet. See, all of this is making Mark sound like a complete bully, which he is <laughs> he's absolutely not and never has been. No. But he has been uh, a little reckless in the past. A little bit. And now he's a very well put together, well mannered, <laughs> very trustworthy. Actually, I Thank trust you. Mark more than anyone else Likewise. that I know. And I trust all of my friends very much. Um so I don't know. But that's a very cool shift that happened. So Mark, do you... Okay, first of all, folks, Mark's uh, current job 
layout right now is basically, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, you work at a major retailer. Yes. Um, you have worked there for how long? A little over five years. A little over five years. Okay. So meanwhile... And it has been, been a long five years. It's been a long journey, <laughs> yes. Meanwhile, you've been going to school. Yep. Full um, time. Recently found your path in paramedicine, mm -hmm. uh, which they take very seriously. Yes. Um, and leaves you with very little time. In between that time, you have a third job, uh, which is Automobeard and podcasting with me on Automobeard. Right. Um, which we are beginning tonight, actually, after this podcast. Congratulations. So, yeah. So I guess um, continuing this podcast, what explain to them the schooling process. Like, how is it structured, learning to get into paramedicine? Like, how do they, is it normal? Is it like normal classes? What's it like? Well, instead of a normal semester where you have, like, say you have English, math, history, all the stuff I've, which I've already taken, but say where you take all these classes and then, you know, Monday you roll into class and you have math for a couple hours. Mm -hmm. Then you go to history for a couple hours. Then you go to some boring elective that you chose just for an easy A for a couple hours. And then you kind of F off for a little bit and then go to another class or whatever. Instead of that, you know, you still sign up for the same amount of hours um, with the caveat that when you go to school, you come to class the first day of school in the semester and you take, say, for example, cardiology. You take cardiology as the first class of the semester. So you go to cardiology for, you know, four weeks. So every day when you go to school, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m., which is the time that you're supposed to be at school, um, you are only doing cardiology. So you get off and you do your cardiology homework and for about four weeks. And then after, at that four weeks end, you take a final exam. And those, those fortunate enough to have been prepared to pass um, move on to the next class, which may be pharmacology or it might be um, trauma or what, any of the other classes. And then the path continues until you get to the end of the semester with the last class. And then you take a final for that last class and you move on to clinicals, which are during the break. So during the break, you'll have clinicals. Um, you'll have you know, a certain amount of reports you need to fill out um, for each day. You, know, you have to make a certain number of patient contacts. You have to record all of the skills that you perform on these clinicals and be able to prove it with your reports. Um, and then that all gets turned in at the end of clinicals. And then you register for class and rinse, repeat. So, more, but like more specifically on that, they, although that is pretty intense, they are also requiring that you have no facial hair. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You have it's to It's kind of a military... Sucks. It's a paramilitary program, so you're in full uniform at any moment that you're in class or affiliated with the school. If you go up there to meet with an instructor, you have to be in uniform. Yeah. Um, which gets kind of demanding, especially considering the fact that my school is about 20 minutes away from where I live. So if I happen to be in the area and need to talk to my instructor and don't have uniform material with me, then i got to go home, change, and go back up to school. Absolutely. Because we have to uphold a certain... Um, 
yeah. I can't think of the word. I have to. We have to uphold this certain. Fa- I'm going to say facade, but it's not a facade. We have to uphold a certain facade of professionalism so, and, and, and all this stuff because we're like the um, ambassadors of the school. Because everyone in, at this school looks up to this department. So when they see us with the uniforms on, they're like, "Okay, those guys really have it together." Yeah. And then when we're out in public with our uniforms on or at clinical rotations, people are like, "Okay, these people are really put together." You know, they're very well uniformed, very well manicured. They seem very well disciplined. And that's how it is. I mean, and, and the propensity to being kicked out for doing bad is really easy. I mean, normal passing grade is, I guess in some colleges, it's a 60. Because you can get a, a D and still squeak by. Well, here, it's it's different. It's You have to make a 77 on anything. I mean, if you... And there's not really homework per se. There's quizzes and stuff. But if you get less than a 77 on a major test, you're out. That's it. And you're done. I would have been done along, like, from the beginning. And it's hard, man. It's freaking <laughs> hard to, to keep up with all that material and work and all that other stuff. But if you do get cut, don't they, like, completely drop you out and you yeah, have to try again yeah, the next done. time? Because yeah. the way that they structure it, it's like you get one shot and then you have to wait for the next semester to try again. Right, which may not be the next semester. It may be two semesters down the line exactly. when they actually have that same class schedule going. It, it's it's really bizarre, but in the end, it, it your hard work pays off. I mean, if you bust butt and you don't, you know, you, you make sure you find the time to study the material and ask questions. I mean, there's tutoring sessions. Um, if you go to all of them, even if you're doing good in the class, I mean, going to the tutoring sessions is a good idea because we've had students that w- did great on everything, but had one bad test day. One bad test day, they're gone. And a toast. Yeah, and it sucks. It sucks losing your friends, you know what I mean? People that you've started to become friends with and then they're they're gone. I mean, they come back later, but... You won't see him in school again. I'm, I'm sure you're allowed to reference which school this is. Oh no, no. Okay, never mind. It's an awesome school. <laughs> it's where he, it's where Mark. Yeah, goes. they're they're real particular about that. Okay, I don't need to be getting. They're also trouble. real particular about this whole no facial hair thing, which it really is offensive to me, and is it's offensive to me too. Kind of counterproductive to, or well, it's it's getting in the way of your third job, which I mentioned earlier it with Audible Beard. Yeah, but. Uh, I do have to say, even if you never had a beard on your face, your heart is like completely fully bearded. It is. So that <laughs> really hasn't gotten in the way too much. Yeah. But um, I can say it's coming back in very nicely. And uh, you just discovered that uh, EMTs and paramedics are allowed to have facial hair while you were doing clinicals, Well, it right? depends. It depends. No. The students, no. But the actual nursing staff at the hospital that we had clinicals at, their policy is different. Their policy is no facial hair. So even when we're at clinicals, even if the you know the hospital is like, yeah, dude, facial hair, rock on. Um, no, we're not allowed to. Because okay. if one of our instructors comes in, which they do, uh, to check on us, quote unquote, yeah. um, and sees that we're not upholding the values of the college, then we're gone. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. See, okay. Don't you think that there's a, a very large number of people that would just love to be rescued by this burly firefighter mm-hmm. who's fully bearded? I bet that's some people's fantasy. Yes, it is. However, <laughs> the problem the problem with beards in the fire service 
is when you wear your SCBA, which is self-contained breathing apparatus, which yeah. is the face mask and the oh. oxygen tank that they wear to go into a burning building. If you have a beard, it doesn't get a proper seal around your face. So the smoke sense. gets in, you end up, you know, breathing that in. And Couldn't you, know, you just put the beard over your mouth and nose? <laughs> in a perfect world, yeah. That it works would, for me. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're looking forward to hearing more of your... EMT and paramedic s- stories as they go. Yeah. However, would you like to go into this other major retailer stories a little bit? Sure. Okay. So bearing in mind that the woman who you uh, rescued at the store is not the only, well, is not the craziest thing you've seen there. What is the most disturbing thing you've seen there other than that, perhaps? The most disturbing thing I've seen at my actual job. Hmm. Well, that would be a toss-up between using the restroom and having some pervert like peer try to peer in through the crack in the stall, yes. like and not. I mean, he. It's not like he just like glances and like, oh, there's someone in the stall. It's no, his like. You had a I look paper? up and there is a eyeball hanging out in the freaking crack of the stall, and I'm like, uh, and he's yeah. just waiting. Yeah. Was there a hole? No, it wasn't. No, there was no glory hole. There was no glory hole. Okay, <laughs> I just thought maybe he was waiting, and that's protocol. You give a little peek first, <laughs> and then you kind of proceed after that. Yeah, there was no graffiti on the wall that said, you know, for a good time, call Buck. He'll be here at seven p.m. And it just happened to be seven p.m. It wasn't anything like that. It was <laughs> doing my thing, and then I look up. Oh God, <laughs> what is going on here? Well. It's it's really funny because all my really bad stories revolve around the restrooms at my job. I mean, I've gone in there and there's been feces on the ceiling, hanging down off the toilet. This is all at one time. Like you just, it's one of those things where you, you know, you walk into the bathroom you're like, man, if someone just took a dump, you can smell it. It's, like, it's gross. <laughs> so you walk in, you're like, oh god, okay, okay, I'm gonna check the trash. Okay, try it. Okay, walk into the stall. Wham! Oh my god. Someone shot a monster made out of feces with a shotgun in the <laughs> stall. And it's all over, it's on the wall. It's on the ceiling, on the floor. Oh. No. Yeah, it's Was it spread like oh, manually yeah. or did it they It was just like blast? somebody like stood up from sitting on the toilet. Okay. Took four steps forward. Yes. Bent over as far as they could and just shotgun blasted all over the bathroom stall. Wow. Just if you can picture that. So that's one of those situations where I see it and I'm like, oh. then I walk out and like nothing ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even tell anybody. Because at to, my, at my work, it's, you. it is finders keepers. Yep. And I never finders. So nope. I never keepers. That's a, that's a yeah. very good policy. I just walk off and I'm like, I just wash my hands. I don't do nothing. Bathrooms wow. look good. Check, <laughs> check in an hour. Would you say they're, they're like Mark was the last person in here? I'm pretty sure he's he's shit blasting our walls. Um, so I'm sure I'm sure if you haven't already, you're gonna have to deal with feces in your upcoming job. Yeah. Would you say that? Oh man, I almost said where you work. Um, would you say that this retailer has prepared you for this, or do you is the, is the phobia gonna continue? Well, I'm not scared of it, first okay. of all. But as far as them preparing me, no. Because the type of feces I'll be dealing with in the field as a paramedic is going to be most likely attached to a person at the time or a patient. Has this happened yet? No. Okay. Good. 
Yeah. It will, though. I'm sure. <laughs> but, yeah. So, I think it's going to be two different things. Because there's a difference between dealing with feces on a person and feces on a wall. Oh, absolutely. You feel disgusting wiping the feces off the wall. But if you're wiping the feces off a person who obviously can't do it themselves, then it's you feel like, like you're helping them out. It's like motherly. Yeah. You're like, here you go. You're I'm like a motherly a dude. There you go. You got it. Yeah. Motherly <laughs> dude. Nice. Well, if you guys um, love Mark Scott, which you should, don't don't despair. There's going to be more of him like very regularly in the Automobeard podcast, which we are actually recording the pilot to Automobeard uh, tonight, shortly after this. Um, but this job cast, which we randomly started without any introduction, and I apologize, um, will normally have an introduction to the person, an explanation of what their job is, and then them telling stories about it. They'll also probably be longer than this. Coming up, we already have guests to come. We're going to have personal trainers explaining what it is they do and the weirdness involved there. And then, (laughs) yes, I think you know who maybe. Can you help me stretch, please? Yeah. (laughs) That's all I imagine. And then we're going to have... um, I'm not sure if I should say the name of the established or not, and I'm not sure if this word is copywritten, so I apologize if it is. But we're going to have, a, uh, and this may be a rude thing to say, but it's the only description I have, restaurant workers, like the servers, the waitresses at, at a uh, key restaurant, they're coming in to explain their job. And while we've been discussing with them and the personal trainer, we've realized that these uh, are very similar jobs, interestingly enough. So we've got that coming up. Uh, and we're just going to keep going from there. Hopefully get more people coming in to explain their uh, interesting career paths. So thanks for being our first guest, Mark. Hey, anytime, man. Good to have you, <laughs> and I'm sure we'll have uh, we'll have more interesting stories in the future, but oh, uh, yeah. looking forward to our our love, which is the Automobile Podcast, coming up very shortly. Oh, yeah. So uh, thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you soon. Mark Scott also owns and runs TacticalOatmeal.com, the maker of the oatmeal wallet. Use the code COUCHCAST during checkout to save yourself 10%. Boop, 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 bo